0: On this episode of the Cinema Syndicate Podcast, we are joined by special guest, stand-up comedian Nimesh Patel. He joins us to talk about his new comedy web series, Zoo Idiots. So go check that out at zooidiots.com. Then he joins us to talk about the war movie classic, Saving Private Ryan. We ask, could it be sexier? What are the themes? We ask everything you want to know. So check out that discussion. And then we end it with our marquee picks for our favorite siblings and movies and TV history. So... Let's go! to the Cinema Syndicate Podcast, the best movie review show spilling its hot takes tentacles all over the United States from the West Coast to the East Coast. I'm Matthew Scott, and always I'm joined by my good friends, Mr. Preston Pokey Barnes in Oakland. How are you doing, Preston?
1: Right on, fellas. Good to see you.
0: And as we move on to Central <laughs> United States in New Orleans, we got Joseph. Joseph Fine. How you doing, Joe?
2: Assois, well, gentlemen.
0: And... Last but not least, actually not last but not least, we got a special guest on today, but we got Budge the Hitman Husky up in D.C. How you doing, Budge? Doing well, lads. Doing well. Good to see everybody. And we have a super special guest. You may know him as an actor, as a writer. He was a writer on SNL. He's now a stand-up comedian. Now he's also the creator and writer of the new web series, Zoo Idiots. We got Mr. Namesh Patel on. How you doing, Namesh?
3: What's up, man? How are you guys?
0: Oh, man, we're just really, really happy to have you on. So Thank you. Here, we're going to do Save and Private Ryan here a little bit. But before we get started, Namesh wants to talk just a little bit about his new web series. Go for it. Zoo Idiots. Love Zoo Idiots.
3: On. Oh, it's a, uh, my favorite thing I've ever done. Um, uh, we definitely challenged ourselves this quarantine to make something new. My co-creator and I, Mookie Thompson, and uh, we accomplished something really special, I think, um, with with... A good amount of resources, um, but definitely not what a network would provide, or what, a, <laughs> you know, like we they we got our animator got a, a, a living wage. The Mookie and I got <laughs> like two dollars an hour, but <laughs> literally, but it was like from you know we took this project on since like April, and we we worked until um, still we're still working on it.
0: Well, you put a bunch of sweat equity into it, and hopefully mm-hmm. it becomes incredibly profitable afterwards.
4: So you're saying you didn't have the same budget as Saving Private Ryan or Steven <laughs> Spielberg film.
5: I
3: maybe a, one of the, one of the like eighth actors in that movie like what their trailer cost. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so uh, right Vendita. now it's all right now it's all on YouTube. Is there going to be more episodes coming out like, like weekly or monthly or how's it going to, how's everyone going to be able to watch it?
3: So the pilot is up. It's at you just go to zooidiots.com. It's spelled exactly how it sounds, but uh, we're working on it. The team is very small in terms of creative team. It's, it's myself, uh, Mookie, <laughs> uh, our friend, Matt Weir and the animator, um, Rob Lynch. And the four of us are just working as hard as we can to make this happen. Um, and so hopefully the next one's up by end of the month, and then we'll see how long the third one takes. We, we've gotten better at, at making them. It's just, this is a lot to do. And Mookie does fucking, beyond just us doing the voices, he does all the sound and editing and shit, and that's that's a crazy job, too. So.
0: Oh, it's tedious as fuck, and it's yeah, also yeah. really hard. Well, here We're going to get right into Saving Private Ryan, now. I think that's a good se- segue, though, too, just because he's talking about how long... And how much effort it takes to produce just a 10-minute animated series so Mm -hmm. one of the things i wanted to ask is this first scene is obviously one of the most famous scenes of saving private Mm ride is that it starts with that storming of normandy and so you've already got experience like you said like doing this web series zoo idiots but you also (laughs) have experience with snl right when you write for snl you're responsible for sort of like directing and producing the stuff you write Mm -hmm. and it's all on like a time frame as well I just want to know, like, when you watch a movie like this, given the experience you have, do you get immersed in the movie or do you sit back and ask yourself, holy shit, that's got to be really hard to make? That's like the logistics of that are incredible. Like, just having to have thousands of people there, the audio, the visual, the visuals, all the sets and stuff like, not the sets, it's live on action. What are your thoughts when you watch something like huge in scope like that?
3: You know, like, I think the first few times I saw the movie, um, I was just lost in all of it just like being like what the fuck is going on like i can't (laughs) like i i I felt like if i had been to war i would have ptsd watching this movie that's (laughs) how i felt watching it thinking about it yeah um but now when i watch it i watch it whenever i re-watch it now it's like i'm watching for and i'm realizing something different each time or asking something different each time it's never like uh, i haven't watched it critically from any like oh my god this production value or, or this production cost must have been insane. Or how the fuck did he direct this? Yeah, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely moments throughout that I think different things about the, my um, uh, about the movie. The one thing I always think is, you know, that scene when uh, uh, uh what's his name, uh, what's his who Barry Pepper plays? Who, what's his name? It's skipping. leaving my brain right now.
4: Up, oh, dude. <sighs> Very Up, not up him. Um, no. The sniper. Uh, oh yeah, the, he's the country guy from like. Texas. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: When the one thing I always think is Daniel when Jackson. Sorry. <laughs> when, when he's when he's in the the sniper tower and the tank is looking up at him. Oh yeah. The, I always will always think, why didn't he just shoot right into the, the barrel?
0: <laughs> well, that would have been a great sort of thing of foreshadowing, right? Because earlier in the movie, he actually snipes from down below and shoots somebody straight through the lens into yes. his yeah. eye, right? So right. it actually kinda of would have worked. It would have been totally unbelievable. But actually, do you <laughs> like,
3: I would have believed it. Yeah. I would have <laughs> like <laughs> got, he God is with him. <laughs> yeah. He's praise the God every yeah, time. I'm gonna start doing that, that every
1: time. Yeah, right. when that when you see the thing just like track upward. I you know I'd forgotten about that scene and uh, I just like our household kind of like audibly yelped as we saw that like <laughs> happening like oh god yeah
2: one of the coolest uh, hand signal scenes
1: yeah yeah I actually laughed during that scene because I just like what the fuck just happened yeah <laughs> that's just that, like that, said so much but like, like right four four yeah. rabbit yeah. two <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> it definitely inspired Saving Silverman. I think if that's what you're getting at, Joe. <laughs> yeah.
1: What is God? But I Joe, like the Navy signals or whatever he's.
0: Yeah, Joe is someone who's like, like really kind of in love with history or whatever. What do you think when you watch that scene? Are you totally immersed, or are you kind of looking for historical like things that you can nitpick at?
2: <laughs> you know, I, I'm not trying to nitpick. It's just. uh I, I kind of love the the overall set quality. I don't know if you could call it a set, but just how, how you know attention to the detail was so high in this film that you kind of actually felt like you, people were really getting shot. The, the, <laughs> like a, yeah, a, a for sure. Just spurting up, you know what I mean? So uh, that's kind of what I was impressed with other than like a 1960s movie where, you know, a theatrical, they throw the gun up in the air and lay on the ground. you know, like, that's
4: not what people look like when they get blasted. That well, it, they definitely
0: set the stage too, because right. Everyone's wearing these like metal helmets, but in that first scene, you see at least five or six people like have a bullet straight <laughs> through the helmet yeah, I mean, and you're right. like, why the fuck are they even wearing it? Cause what right. was it even do? Oh, and yeah. it's
3: it saved that saved that one guy. Yeah. Okay, it it saved it that one, it's like, <laughs> I'm <an office>. yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like, there are like five true. moments like that where someone like dodges death and they're like yeah and then they get killed like the next second <laughs> yeah yeah
5: uh,
0: well, <laughs> well i mean what do you think Dodge? like when you watch like sort of just something epic like that it's sort of like i was going to compare it sort of like to lord of the rings like that sort of like helm's deep battle where everything's just all the sets not the sets but all the costumes and stuff are so real the guns look real just like lord of the rings they have like all the magnificent blades and armor and stuff the yurikai look great it's kind of like dunkirk in the beach scene does it totally immerse you or do you just sort of like do, what are you thinking when you watch that are you just completely so, into the movie
4: i hadn't seen this movie in probably 20 years i mean i probably watched it when it came out and then maybe one more time circa 2001 and just and that's <laughs> a lot of that's just because it's long right. but what i like what you kind of mentioned struck me was that i think and i kept looking at it. And one of the things, stuff that like held up or not, it was like, I was like that scene like when they're on the bridge and obviously Normandy Mm -hmm. are hold up. They're still epic scenes to watch, you know, like they still look as good, almost as good as anything you'll see now because because there's no
0: CGI too. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's what that's what I kind of
4: wanted to get at too is because everything's so
0: real. Like it's almost like Star Wars kind of holds up because that's what the people like love is they want those real live sets because they Mm -hmm. look better. They age better rather than the CGI stuff. But sorry, go for it.
4: No. Yeah. And it's like so because I, I was thinking about the last time I really thought about this movie was probably one of the last movies I saw in theaters was last January. And I saw 1917. And I remember walking oh, out and being like, man, I think I might have liked this better than Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> I hadn't really seen Saving Private Ryan. So it was kind of as a rewatch. One of the things I noticed, I was like, it, it it's definitely like different in the sense that it's a little bit more it's like a smaller scale. But I was like, what Saving Private Ryan did right was just as good as anything that you you see, like 1917, you'd be seeing made right now.
3: Well, 1917 was really disappointing to me. I was thought, it wasn't? Yeah, just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I hold Saving Private Ryan to such as like the, the war movie for me. Um, like the most, the one that like really captured like a, a, an interesting sentiment, one that like, the one that I appreciated a lot. And so when I saw 1917, I was like, hmm. I appreciate the attempt, but I don't. I, I think the hype behind the behind the like, oh, it was one take or one shot, <laughs> yeah, was over
4: like, overrated. Yeah, yeah. Well it's like I they tried to they tried with... to
0: steal from what was that movie Birdman and then they kind of did they did that technique in Birdman, then they did that thing in uh what was that one that Leonardo DiCaprio won Oscar for? They did that sort of same technique when they were like fighting the Native Americans or whatever. I can't even remember Revenant? That. Yeah, Revenant. They had yeah. like a really, really cool fight scene when they're fighting the Native Americans where it like was all looked like one take, but it was really, really cool. But mm-hmm. I feel like did they concentrate more on like the editing rather than the story? Is that what you're getting at in terms of like why? 1917
3: since morning yeah that's what it felt like at mm. least um you know okay I, I,
1: one guy just goes and he just finds a group of people <laughs> i <Okay>. was running <laughs> yeah, <sir. laughs> gotta go through ridiculous terrain and all that that's yeah. a good point i mean i i did enjoy that that film i think a lot of war movies that you know get a lot of like press behind them and everybody gets excited about it and it, and you know ever since films like saving private ryan and even before then I just, I don't always, I, I feel like a lot of war movies today don't always like hold up to the standard of some of these past ones. And mm-hmm. and what I was really curious about with Saving Private Ryan, and y- y'all were just kind of talking about it, was, was to see like how how does it hold up to a lot of special effects or like just things that we see today, uh, especially war movies and yeah, I mean, like that opening scene says it all to me. Like, it's, it's as good, if not better, than when I saw it when I was much younger. I think, a, to, yeah,
2: uh, Go ahead, yeah, Ryan. Is that it was made in what 2001? So, like 98, it
4: was like 98. yeah,
2: man, so there are plenty of World War II veterans still around, yeah. So oh, are, yeah, and yeah. they are like, holy shit, that was that was I, I was back,
1: yeah. <laughs> so, I, I wanted to bring that up, I'm sure
2: they kind of verified it for you. I was, yeah. in,
3: I, I was in fifth grade when I saw it. And when I went, I remember I sent to see it in theaters. And when the lights came on, it was all like older white guys sitting there, yeah. like crying. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And me and my cousin just like ran out of it. I think we didn't mean to interrupt your private weeping moment. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> like.
0: So I, I, I you like walked I, out, made like such pussies, those old men. <laughs> <laughs> fucking scared. pussy, yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> and we started banging the door real yeah. loud. <laughs> <later. laughs> oh, like okay. a little like ghost okay. costume,
0: like scared of this
3: motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's go address this. We, we started yelling in German, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, like, I think we we're, I think we were all around the same age. Uh, I can't remember if it was like fifth, sixth, or seventh grade, but. I do remember uh, seeing this with my grandfather and, you know, yeah, he was just like stoic the whole time mm-hmm. watching it and didn't really have much to say other than like that, like the Normandy scene was, was pretty, uh, uh, he wasn't in Normandy, but I think he, I it, it had an effect on somebody from that generation about like you would expect, or they just right. kind of completely internalized it. And they're like, yeah, that, that was uh that was pretty accurate, you know, and that was about it, you know, but I, I do remember that. I do remember a lot of, people who were in that war being able to go see this movie and that was like that was a big thing that uh and it's been a big thing that spielberg's always done for a while i think if, if you know kind of beyond his movies like a huge project of his has been like interviewing survivors uh, mm-hmm. uh not just the holocaust but and then people who are in world war ii and uh i think having that come out in that time i think was that was certainly like that was something he wanted to do. And I think he wanted a lot of those people to like see it and reflect on it. I mean, I'm sure that was deliberate. Got it. Yeah. I
0: kind of had like a point. We'll move on to maybe a little bit, something deeper, but I'm glad you kind of brought up how Spielberg sort of took a different sort of approach. I don't know if it's different, but he has a specific approach to it. So like you said, uh, that, like, he kind of did uh, what do you want to say? Schindler's List. And he was like a Jewish man from, he's like, he was born roughly right after World War II or whatever, but he definitely has a deep resonance and, like, respect I don't know respect or connection to it I'm sure his family was sort of connected to it in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but so one of the biggest themes in this movie is talking about the value of life right because we sort of have to go through uh private Ryan is his life more valuable than these other people's soldiers life is his mom's life or his mom's feelings more valuable than these other soldiers mom's feelings or whatever we sort of have to like question ourselves. oh just because she lost four other sons does that sort of like put her up in a different sort of tier or something like that. But it's not just like the value of life, uh, but it's like not just the value of American soldiers, but the value of other people's uh, lives too, like Germans and whatever. So one of the specific things I was going to talk about, because this is Steven Spielberg. And like I said, it just gave like the context of him sort of being Jewish and doing Schindler's List. He did have an opportunity to villainize the Germans, right? There's that one scene where he's, they're making him uh, dig his own grave, and then he's sort of like this German soldier kind of weeps and sympathetic and it sort of humanizes him, and they sort of let him go, Tom Hanks' character does. But he could have easily, given the context of him being Jewish and obviously making Schindler's List and sort of could have made these characters super, super villainous. They could have made him some like cultish, I'll die for the Fuhrer, kill me right now, I'm dying for the cause kind of thing. But they made him this sort of sympathetic German character that we didn't know what he was saying. But he obviously was saying, I've got a family too. Please Mm -hmm. let me go. Please, 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 please. What did you think Mm -hmm. about like how he he shoots Tom Hanks? I, yeah, but I, maybe like that it. was
1: the same one, right? Yeah, yeah. Was
0: well, it no. the same one? Yeah. Oh yeah. uh, well, fuck. Well, maybe I'm ruining my point, but at the same time, I, but- I, I
3: hated him before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, I said, you should have shot him while he was
1: in the fucking hole. <laughs> Adam Gold, Adam Goldberg's <laughs> character should have done it. Well, know? see,
4: that's but see, that's what I was kind of saying, or I was getting at initially with like the 1917 comparison was that well i feel like this movie is guilty of its own success like it's the gold standard so like any kind of other war movies are kind of like you know there's a lot of they take a lot of inspiration so like take the scene where adam goldberg all the the gm POWs are walking like that yeah. and he's like got his you know mezuzah and his you know star of david and he's like you know jude jude i'm jewish and then you know but like take then you take like inglorious bastards where quentin tarantino just took that character and put him on steroids so like when you watch it you're like oh like rewatching it like all the epic scenes but I was like I didn't it felt like I was like this is still just kind of a some some of the stuff like out of a typical war movie but then again it's guilty of its own success because it's the standard bearer right yeah, and that's yeah. all just on re I only mean that on rewatch but,
0: yeah but, but there's also scenes like right so like they obviously they, they question whether they should be doing this mission right because they do like I said question whether this mm-hmm. uh private Ryan's life is more valuable than theirs mm-hmm. but then they have that scene where they're sort of almost gleefully going through sort of the dog tags of kind of like dead soldiers. So it's almost like they like, but they also have such camaraderie and respect for like the people that they sort of fight with, but it's almost like there is this distance, but also camaraderie at the same time. It sort of makes you question what it's like. I mean, I I mean, obviously you question what it's like to be in a war or whatever, Mm. but there is like, they don't have the same sort of connection to other people even within their own sort of army.
3: Well, I I, think the, I think the most compelling thing about that scene is how uh, humanizing it is You're, yeah it's just like it's all of us are doing that right now <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. Like, yeah. we're just we're fucking counting the chips of, of dead soldiers while other fucking living soldiers passes by constantly in in real life so it's just like the, and then someone from the outside comes in it's like what the fuck are you doing yeah like, that gives you perspective you know what I mean like we're all operating blind because we're in some kind of echo chamber where we're talking like people who are like us all the time you know what i mean so we're all blind to us so that's what and that scene just makes me laugh it's just like (laughs) what the fuck are they doing (laughs) you know yeah it's
0: yeah you're right though it's like they exist within their like own sort of group of friends but they sort of lack a perspective like you said to sort of like have this greater broad vision or vision whatever perspective Mm -hmm. of like other people are fucking perishing and they they have like
3: they come in and out of perspective, which yeah. is, which is cool to me. You know, like sometimes they have a perspective that you don't think. And then they, sometimes they do have the perfect one where it's like, like they're insightful, but they're not, you know, like it's an insight to be like all that for one man that when the, yeah. when the pilot uh crashed that plane, the plane that they, they happened with the, upon With the
4: general was on.
3: Yeah. The general yeah. was on. Cause it got too many plates on it or whatever. Yeah. And I, I forget which the, which character says it but he says uh all this for one man it's like, yeah a lot of <laughs> that going around you know <laughs> yeah and it's just like uh um so that's an incredible perspective to have like some soldiers wouldn't even some people wouldn't even question that
5: yeah, Wait, just, yeah. yeah
3: that's just how it happens he's just like all that for one guy you know because it's a general
0: <clears> and there's so definitely they come huge... in and out it's cool there's definitely a huge amount of like casualness with like, especially in the beginning with the way they talk about people that died. I know I can't remember the specific lines, but like Tom Hanks is walking with the superior and they just kind of like, Oh, Oh, is so-and-so around? He's like, no, no, not here. And it's just sort of like, it's not, Oh, they don't even say like a, Oh, we're sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. I can't like, it's just like, Oh, it's just like so mathematical, like, okay, we lost one person. Like, it's not even a person. It's just like, we lost that. That's one less like weapon we have to fight Mm -hmm. against or like body to throw against the Germans in Normandy. It's, it really, it, it like, like you said, it's sort of like dehumanizes them. And then they have moments where they humanize people. And that's sort of like how Tom Hanks sort of cools that situation with the german right is because mm-hmm. i think in his like brain the way he wasn't trying to actually he wanted to almost think that his like subordinates were almost i don't say robot but that shouldn't say but like he didn't want to actually have a real connection with them because he knows if he has a real connection with them he shares his story he tells him he's a teacher he tells him he as he's a wife he wants to get back to he tells him he has his dreams and ambitions the more he connects to them and they share back the more he like hurts when he loses them, right? So he knows there's an inevitability that he's going to lose these people. So he, he creates this massive distance, where other people are trying to get close. And it's sort of like you were kind of saying, like, everyone's got their own perspective on this. And they're all sort of trying to negotiate this incredibly difficult situation, not just avoid being killed, but how do I handle it emotionally? And Mm -hmm. that's how this whole thing sort of just, I shouldn't say explodes. But like, you know, it's just like, everyone's all these characters are trying to do something different and yeah. it's just uh this is crazy
4: that's the that's the penultimate scene right when it like that comes down to the brass tacks where they're they've got to figure like you know the guy's like i'm fucking leaving he's like fuck this this kid's not worth it we've lost yeah. you know four of our dudes and then that's when he, that's when tom hanks kind of like has to break that you know barrier that he's had up yeah um Instead of saying like I care about you, he had like yeah. he actually yeah. said it
0: more eloquently, yeah. right? <laughs> but that's what's how the, he did. What's the
3: pool on me now?
1: And, yeah. yeah, right. And I think a lot of what we're speaking to is just like the, and you see this in Spielberg's best movies is like his ability to, uh, like the humanizing elements in his storytelling. I mean, like all the way back to like E.T. E. to to like Saving Private Ryan. I mean, like these. This is why we. We like, I mean, like why some of his films have such a impact on like the psyche of everyone who watches it, but of like filmmaking in general. And I think, uh, especially with Saving Private Ryan, you know, we're talking about how like there are these times where they're just kind of like with some of these characters. Yeah, they're playing around with like the dog tags, but then the next moment they're having like this incredibly powerful like reflection, or or the next moment someone dies and they don't, they just like kind of keep going about because that's the nature of war, you know. And I think Spielberg. Having interviewed so many people and, and involving himself in a lot of the events from that time and being a, a true like a student of a lot of that. Yeah, he's I a historian. He, yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's able to really put that on the big screen in a way that like a lot of a lot of filmmakers are not able to. And I think that's what's so great about this movie.
3: He's such um, a historian that uh, he made me listen to Edith Piaf. <laughs> That's like his he put Edith PF in that scene and I was like, I gotta know this song and I gotta hear it and I gotta know what the fuck the lyrics are. All I it. thought
0: I thought Preston was about <laughs> to say, you know, like Spielberg's so good at like drawing emotional connections that I was really sad when Jaws died. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, like that a I sympathize with the shark, you know, like we got to know that he was just trying to, you know, like, make a living. <laughs>
1: Was he really a son of a bitch, you know? He just tried to eat
0: dinner for his family and stay alive. And then, you know, they just go and fucking kill him. It wasn't his fault he was born with such a big body. He's got to eat. So,
1: uh... (laughs) I mean, there's a lot we could go on about Jaws, too. Yeah. I mean, that was... Spielberg in his, like, 20s, so... Or uh, maybe early 30s. But So we'll just jump right to the
0: ending. So I always kind (laughs) of like to talk about the ending. Namesh, did you like the ending? Did you think it was sort of like... It sort of played on the major themes? Do you think it sort of, like, tied them all together? And I kind of like my, my thoughts before, like maybe the answer was that I know that sort of like a bridge is sort of a super strategic advantage and like in World War II, you got to hold those kind of things, mm-hmm. but it still just sort of, sort of makes you question the value of life a little bit because it feels so trivial that like all these men are risking their lives to sort of protect something that's like so small and inanimate and, and sort of almost kind of trivial at the same time. Uh, what, what do you deep
5: think back. about the I ending?
3: Did, I didn't even think that deep into it. Yeah, I mean, I think like the first few times, like I didn't articulate that this was a movie about death and like how we how like to me, it's like how fleeting life is that, you know, when they take the helmet off and then boom, that you think you're alive for another 20 years, right? (laughs) Two seconds later that like that was part of what spoke to me the most about the movie. But and also, you know, just this appreciating the the scene in general while I was watching that that bridge scene just like how it was shot was so dope um you know the the way they uh uh, frame that one moment when uh Tom Hanks is shooting at the tank and you know um Private Ryan is like buckled up crying like that whole scene is just is just so dope um I didn't even think Uh, Oh shit! Why are we doing this? Why are they doing this just for a bridge? Because (laughs) in my head, I'm thinking this is war. You need a bridge. Also, people going to get across, you know. Like so, it wasn't even it wasn't even questioning that. Uh, The ending, the only thing if I had a problem with, and this might be also the beginning, was the 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 bookend scenes where it's Matt Damon's uh, character as an old man. Um, Which, by the way, hand. he's got
0: perfect old man style. Whoever sort of was costume
4: designer oh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. he's got—he was my granddad jacket.
0: to a T. He was the my man, granddad to a only T. Jacket,
4: yeah, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> the, the also slacks. It's yeah. the, like the horizontally
1: striped polo shirt. Oh, like. <laughs> perfect. Good casting too, and the way and the, the way he was like place.
0: the way he had to like be in front of the family walking to the grave. I know it was trying to like say like a sense of urgency, like he needed to get there. But that's still such a granddad move to be like, "Come on, keep up with me!" Come like I'm 70 yeah, yeah, years yeah. old, you got to keep up. With me. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I just sorry.
3: Wanted to be alone and walk. <laughs>
0: you know. Well, he's got to set it. he's got to set the pace. Otherwise, people are just going to dawdle around. He's got to set the
3: pace. I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate those that that those bookends, but you know I know why they were there. But to me, I would have preferred it just started with the war and then ended with um, Tom Hanks saying
1: earn this. You know, I mean, that's that's a, But I understand why they were there. Uh, well, I, I had forgotten about him. So I guess that's, you know, I remember the opening scene. I mean, that's just how can you forget yeah. that? And I when I didn't see that right when it started, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> I, I even forgot. I was like, who is that supposed to be? I, yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah,
4: cause I'm the same way. I, I remember there being an old man there and I couldn't remember if it was like Upham who wrote the story or if it was an older Matt Damon, but the, like the one thing I thought it ended when he said earn this. Cause like, that's, that's my big memory, even like, you know, 20 years on, I remember that line, um, but one of the things that was kind of what I, I guess we I've been kind of talking about earlier, we were kind of asking like what has changed in thirty years? Like they had a completely different actor playing old Matt Damon. Now I think like aging technology is like <laughs> at such a quality where they just wouldn't have had to do that. Or that's that, a, that
0: was actually thinking I was like, is that him under the makeup or is that a new that's, thing?
1: I, I thought that yeah. was him, but it's not. Are you saying they would they would Irishman him? Oh yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, give him the Irishman treatment.
4: Yeah, <laughs> or like the like you know they did Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Captain Marvel. Except that was D age, but like. It was shocking how young you looked, and like it was a yeah. whole movie. So
1: Anthony so. Hopkins and Westworld.
4: Joe, Joe, what do you think from a strategic <laughs> standpoint?
0: Are you like cool with like holding a bridge, or or is that sort of did it felt did it feel like it sort of fit the movie? Or did it need something more epic or grand, or what do you think?
2: Uh, you know, I think that it kind of showed you that how many people were dying for less shit back then. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but how you were saying that it was very it wasn't personal because man so many people were getting killed that you didn't have really time to get to know anybody and you know in 1944 they were pretty much taking anybody into the draft mm-hmm. um and so like i i think that one big point that i kind of got from this film um was that like we like our generation never really experienced a conflict like world war one or world war two where like a pretty good percentage of our classmates like could have either been killed, or even mm-hmm. if we didn't know we knew, you know, like in like thirty or forty people that did, and I don't know, that just would have been a really messed up time. And like, oh,
3: yeah, <laughs> it's like all my friends had just gotten back from Afghanistan.
5: <laughs> God, <What>? I, mean,
3: <laughs> I definitely would have. I definitely would have Donald Trump my way out of that draft. Sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so but I, I have fair. asthma in both lungs. Oh yeah, I got yeah. flat
0: feet and asthma. There's no way I'm going to war. And I if got, I was there. I would have been like that shit your pants, hide under a dead body type person and then mm-hmm. try to like squeal away. Like I would have been a total fucking coward.
1: I've been uh, <laughs> Eugene Levy's character from Best in Show.
5: <laughs> <Just that beat. laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, Joe, like you're right. I mean, I, you know, obviously we've lived through wars, but I think, what was it, like 17 million we had go into World War II? I, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that about right?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and just the fact that like, you know, you go to all these places even today in Germany and uh, the Czech Republic and all that stuff. And the, and uh, I'm taking a tour or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, yes, 50,000 Jews used to live here now. now. <laughs> and you're like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fucking great. You know what I mean? Like uh, that it was, it was. Well, no, it,
0: it puts things in perspective, though, too, because, I mean, we talk about the coronavirus and everything. So, so sad. Uh, it really is. But like in World War One, right, they call it the lost generation because like they lost uh, what, like each European country lost over a million people. And then like Russia lost upwards of 10 million people. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can't even like kind of fathom and put into perspective that some people literally like, like you were saying, like you, you went and you're, you're like, not just like your best friend, but five of your best friends are dead. And then not only are five of your, best of friends- your brothers couldn't die. And not only that, <laughs> yeah. but you experienced maybe the most horrific, fucking thing in the world like trench warfare or something like that it's just like these people have seen and experienced things that we can't even really fathom we try to act like we can fathom because like we have like cool movies like saving private ryan that are super violent and graphic and stuff like that that try to depict it but it still doesn't like depict the every single day slog of just like being there and seeing someone die every single day not just one person but like every single fucking day You're i think it's
1: doing- like when- yeah, I, I was just going to mention with Tom hey yeah. like when he's watching everybody dying around him and then he like reaches for his helmet and this was something I didn't recognize, you know, when I first saw the movie and it's just like, it's he's in the ocean basically or like in the shoreline. It's just, there's just so much blood in it and he just yeah. like puts it on his head and yeah. the blood flows down see, his face. See, like that. like uh. that, I, that was like that. I, I obviously, it was, was obviously huge,
4: but like what my I thought was so like cool about that shooting of that was how it was dead silent for a minute. Mm-hmm. and like yeah. how like you get you would get like this tunnel vision like i could you know obviously i've never been to war or anything like that but like i felt like that was not an uncommon experience for people <laughs> like yeah, you're so shell so like you don't even yeah. know you don't hear it you don't know what's going on like right. in you're in your own head you're just like the next inch the next step do
0: you have anything else in the mess you want to add before we just maybe ask like one or two funny questions you can maybe riff on a little bit
3: Oh, what, what can I say about saving Private Ryan that hasn't been said? <laughs> you know, it's let's get uh, that
0: like perfect I, Indian American perspective.
3: I mean, it's definitely <laughs> I definitely started using fubar. <laughs>
5: just, yeah,
3: in like fifth grade, that was definitely everything was fubar. <laughs> it's just like what. A, what a perfect uh, phrase that I hadn't heard before that. And I don't really hear it now when so many things are that. You know, I'm just like, shit is. Well, you it,
0: can huh? say it without actually getting in trouble in fifth grade, right? You're like, it means fucked up, but you, you actually can say it in front of somebody and you're like, you don't get detention for it.
3: What I remember most about watching that movie is it's kind of the context of where I was, in, where I was like, I guess 12 or 13, and just really learning about we had just started learning about uh, World War II. I think in school, like I had just started learning about it. Like I remember, I think it was, it might've been fifth grade or sixth grade where, um, uh, sort of, uh, when did the pianist come out? Ooh. Ooh, uh, I think band. around that time. Yeah, it's, it's got, I, I just remember. That. I think it's
4: after that though. Definitely yeah, after. it was after that for I'll sure. But I up. just
3: remember, I remember a Holocaust survivor ranting out a movie theater for, uh my entire like fifth grade or sixth grade class to go watch that move to watch um the penis, penis. yeah, yeah. it's 2002 2002 so i just remember vaguely around that time that uh, uh i was getting into like learning about war and stuff because i think i just like read the things they carried by tim o'brien
0: oh I, speaking
3: of like phrases
0: that don't get used i used to try to i really tried to make coups work and oh no yeah, one really about yeah, yeah. it. Coups
3: is like the uh, <laughs> um, i referenced that in our
0: last episode things they carried it's a great great short story collection by tim o'brien he's a fantastic writer yeah
3: yeah. um and so i just remember like the same private ryan was probably at the beginning of my not fascination with but my like first dipping my toe in understanding uh about war and stuff and then things they carried vietnam was like the last i remember paying attention to just like wars in general you know what i mean like yeah after that i was like in college i was like i'm not gonna study war even though it's like the most important thing to study but <laughs> um all right so we're gonna
0: wrap that up in terms yeah. of saving private Ryan. we're trying to make this a little bit funnier uh we always try to ask <laughs> in movies how would you make it a little bit sexier this movie has no sex appeal <laughs> in yeah. if you could include a little bit of sex appeal and save it private ryan how would you do it what scene would you inject it into? Uh, Yeah, go for it. I
3: know the scene exactly. You know (laughs) know the scene where it's probably towards the end of this, uh, and they're waiting for the the Germans to roll up, and they're all hanging out um, uh, uh, by the house. Listening to the records? Yeah, listening to the records, but they're sharing like girl stories. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And. Ooh, that's good.
3: Matt Damon is telling the story of how, like, he ran up on uh, one of his other brothers while he was um, having sex with a girl who, who, didn't, who wasn't attractive, or they didn't find attractive. <laughs> yeah. I just think that would be, a, like, a perfect moment for, like, a flashback. Uh, and maybe, maybe the girl is hot, you know. I don't remember... I'm hoping that when he was telling the story, they were all over age. But I think, it would be, I think
4: I think it would be so. That's like a perfect scene See, to put it in. You know? Yeah. See, I, I agree. Like right, right there too. There's, there's another when the other guy from Brooklyn's talking, and he's talking about how I guess his mom owned like the lingerie store, the dress Bronx, shop, yeah. and he's helping her get size. And like if yeah, you yeah, just yeah. had a flashback that 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 mom being like, when you're away and you're sad, think of these bad boys. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Joe, what do you think? How would you make it sexier? You're always up for a good, like, s- sexy injection.
2: Yeah, I think uh, you could have played off the. It could have been a little funnier if, like, during the, you know, storming of the beach, like, this dude gets, like, you know, a shell almost hits him, and he gets blown into the air into the cellar of the house or whatever, and these two hot, sexy chicks are down there, and he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) You're talking about,
0: like, sort of a Monty Python kind of thing? Maybe, like, where, like, Galhard gets lost, and he's sort of, like, he's, like, lost from the whole track, and he finds himself with, like, these, like, ten virgins or something like that? Or what do you...
2: (laughs) I think I could ride this out for a little while down here. Yeah. (laughs) Like so now there's like
0: this like this like virgin nurses on Normandy that just are taking care of this one person overall. Preston, what would you
3: do? What what if what if when you know that scene when they're uh when they walk into like um uh they're walking down the passageway and the 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 walls collapse on both sides? Yep. What if instead of it being soldiers on uh one side Uh, soldiers on the other? (laughs) That's that was was yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's actually that was the scene I was thinking about. I, I, I oh, did. Oh, sorry, want. Preston. That, <laughs> I actually, I even had in my notes, not for this particular segment, <laughs> but more so just like the crazy. Because that was just a, something
0: for you to think
4: about later. Like, what if that happen
1: when they, <laughs> this, You're talking about Namesh when they when it's the uh like the Germans on the other side. And they yeah, it's standoff. Paul
4: Giamatti that like leans against yeah. the, the yeah, yeah, Paul
1: Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? yeah, if it had been like this, like little uh like hidden brothel that's still like yeah. operating yeah. even during wartime.
0: time. <laughs> well, all right. So that's a, that's kind of like a good segue to this. So how would you object it? injected a little bit of humor obviously that scene could have been something funny that feels like some maybe something kind of like family guy or something like where like the walls collapse and there's like an underground gambling thing or something going on uh-huh. but what like would, did you see any like ways you could have injected some jokes because obviously they didn't make it a little bit lighter i'd say than some other war movies but it still could have maybe had some funny elements what do you think Amash?
3: oh man that's tough uh because to me it's already pretty funny mm-hmm. just in like the situations that they're in and, and how they react to stuff when uh you know when when the when the the medic is helping one of the army guys and you know the <laughs> medic gets a fucking and the guy gets shot anyway and he's just hey. like give me a fucking break like I yeah. just, I yeah. just, and yeah, i just yeah. remember but the first time i was like damn it's fucked up but the second time i was like that's fucking hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know i just think like moments like that are always great and i think I don't know the jokes I would think of are are just just as mean as the things they uh, uh somebody said, you know.
0: Yeah, I thought you were, when you were saying the medic thing, I thought you were going to talk about the morphine scene, like maybe like when you know they keep on like injecting him with morphine to like sort of kill his pain, like maybe they would this like is a lot of morphine. Lot of, like you think <laughs> that just had like one little scene, like I was saving that for myself, you know, like mm-hmm. like sort of just maybe one little thing. What there do you
1: think? Like Dump it on my face? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
4: I, you know, I I can always the one thing that. I guess, it, and I kind of talked I was going to talk about this in the characters r- ranking, was that like, you know, you, they didn't really play a lot off like sort of like American cultural differences, which I thought like, you know, the, obviously there was a lot of time, but that kind of might have been funny. Like, you don't really know where Bobby's from, but the, I just remember like the very opening scene when that guy puts in like a huge plug of tobacco. Like you could maybe play off like some redneck, you know, with <laughs> doing much tobacco and a guy from like Brooklyn, right? Like, and then having <laughs> you know, just like, I don't know, just some sort of cultural shenanigan and how do you, what do you call something? And you just didn't, you didn't see any of that. Not that it was made it worse or anything it was just yeah. i just thought to myself that's something that you could have done to lighten the mood
1: i feel like there was some light ribbing going <laughs> on you know no they were definitely me. busting
4: some chops but yeah. it wasn't like all oh, right texan or like you know yeah because you,
1: know, you but... did have a slight diversity of characters oh
4: sure and, and, but they just it and, but was like
1: I, I mean i get what you're yeah. saying yeah what I do you think, think joe uh, what? I, think, oh,
3: sorry.
0: I think
1: if uh
3: i think daniel jackson tajan jackson's Probably the funniest guy in the whole thing because he's <laughs> just so serious about sniping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all about <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, he's big, big sniper guy. Like
2: scenes, <laughs> more like ridiculous Bible verses that he'd put, yeah. yeah. you know, the rod is my stone. And then like
3: <laughs> from it's the, so funny. You know.
2: Like Ezekiel 35, You know what I mean, I'm just
0: going for like the lowest brow thing, but I thought like, you know, they're obviously like backpacking through like the you uh, you say European countryside defecation like pissing and shitting is always something funny that could have lightened it up just a little bit like I've got to go shit somewhere uh, and could have like stuff. off yeah oh yeah or even jerking off something just something a little so bit you, there.
1: You want more of that scat humor. That that's kind of what you're going for there.
0: <laughs> I, I can always laugh at someone taking a dump Preston, like
1: <laughs> just somebody I, gonna, I think that, that might be more world war one right a little well, trench
0: warfare it's just it's just it speaks to humor in general anybody caught in a compromised position like you know like oh i'm taking a dump and then it's just like if somebody was taking a dump and then the german tank rolled through and he had to just like you know like pull up his pants and like had to get ready but he didn't have time to wipe or something like that that's funny but it didn't and speak- he gets a couple
1: it, of kills uh, in yeah it didn't,
0: it didn't, it didn't share the same tone like it didn't match <laughs> the tone but it could have been funny uh, all right, so what we're going to do, we're going to move on to our rankings of Saving Private Ryan. We got Namesh here. We're going to let him kick it off. Namesh, out of 25, what would you give the acting in this movie? 25. 25? <laughs> Namesh is going to go straight 100 here.
3: Word. I, th- I thought we'd give <laughs> it everyone. Only everyone Everyone
1: dies so well, <laughs> I did. right? That's a good point. I'll just go ahead and go next. How about that? Because a lot of the times, that's what I was thinking during this film. It's like <laughs> they're like, like God. Tom Hanks is cold right now. Like that guy, that guy is like really bleeding out, and he's really mm-hmm. holding onto his intestines. You know, like it's it's visceral. Yeah, when, uh, when he's crying, Mama, I'm I'm crying, Mama, too. Uh, and that, <laughs> that happened <laughs> like three times. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like to the point where, like, at our house, my, my wife, she was just like, "Do people would you usually call mom like as they're dying?" You know, I was like I have no fucking clue. The <laughs> the was, like, was like, they do shit their pants though. So.
0: When that scene when Vin Diesel died probably like inspired Nest the to become an actor or whatever. Uh, Preston, oh, what are you what are you going to give out? Twenty five.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go twenty four.
0: Budge, what do you think? Uh
4: I you know, I guess it's 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 a good to point out that I think Tom Hanks did he w- was he win the Oscar or was he nominated for best I think he was nominated for best actor uh yeah. for this movie. I don't think he won. Um and I, I thought it was good. I gave it a I gave it a twenty three. I mean I kinda echo what, what everybody kind of said. Uh <laughs> I'm not sure who I thought was the best, you know. Uh I guess you kinda gotta go throw it to Tom, but very, uh... very pepper.
1: What about yeah, Miss yeah, Ryan when she uh, appeared to uh, twist her ankle as the people were coming up to her house?
0: This did oh, have a Brian Cranston appearance before he actually became big. What do you oh, think, yeah, Joe, right? True. What do you think, Joe, out of 25?
2: Uh, uh, I'm thinking a 22. I think the, the character of Upham was such, so <laughs> and he did that so well that I fucking hate him to this day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, Upham, God. Proud. So, 22. <laughs> All
0: right, I mean I'm kind of with everyone I mean, there's there's really very little complaint about this movie I'm going to give it a 22 as well I mean I don't know if everything was superb I kind of had some like little tiny things where I was watching the movie going eh but I liked it a lot uh, characters do you think they were well developed do you think like you sort of like enjoyed that they had like their backstory or lack thereof what do you think characters out of 25?
3: Well that's tough I mean you come to like every single one of them so much uh, it's hard to say that development wasn't there because you kind of Immediately, develop uh, an understanding of all of them somehow. You know, like they're all humanized and made people so quickly that you're like, oh, <laughs> I know everything I need to know about. Them. Yeah, and then because and, you're sad when they die, I wasn't. There was no one. I was like, damn, he got. I I hate. I, I hated Oppen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like they wanted us to like them, but I hated them. Yeah, uh, and, and I know what Spielberg was trying to do with it but I still hated his guts and so like <laughs> that's such good development you know they try to redeem him because he shoots the guy and
0: then
5: yeah at the end of, there.
3: you know but it's like fuck that <laughs> that's probably
0: so, the only character of redemption where someone commits murder that like is supposed to be a good thing probably in civil exactly. history <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it's I, too far
1: I, gone I, at that point
3: yeah <laughs> I hated the villains too like like when, when the guy kills uh, the Hebrew hand.
0: Oh, uh, oh a, God, that, that, was, that was terrible.
3: That was oh, oh, so, so crazy, but like that's all character, you know? Like yeah. the, the guy sells it so well, like who he is and how crazy it is that he's dying because of this. Wait, uh, is that when
1: Upham's just on the stairs, not doing yes. shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's why Joe and, like, says he hates him. And, yeah, like, and he uh, also world, he let him go too. Lowest stair yeah. climber.
2: Like at least shoot him in the back. Oh. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> or trip his ass. Let it, like There's you don't something. even shoot them if you're opposed to like shooting them. Just kind of like give them a little push. Just give them a little push.
1: Pickle fight, at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
4: and it's and, and I think the guy's the Adam Goldberg's character was named Milosh, but like <laughs> you remember when he when the other dude, the redhead, got point from Milosh. He shot the uh, the wall, and you thought it was up him behind it, and like it was really quiet, and you're like, "Fuck!" Did he just kill up him? <laughs> and then like yeah. you could tell that like Milosh was like worried about it, and then oh. it's like. Then up them didn't even have the balls to like come help him, you know. Like,
3: yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We so can do a whole podcast ripping
4: on that, kid. Wait, um, all <laughs> for uh, no
0: What do you think, bud? Out 25.
4: I'll give it, a, I'll give it 22. The, the only uh, the only draw I think kind of knockbacks to it were like I said, I kind of wish you might have fleshed out a little bit more about. I mean, you did learn a little bit like where they were from, but it, it would have been kind of cooler. But I guess that was kind of the point. But that would be my only knock against it. So 22. <laughs> Deuce, deuce. Present.
1: uh give me mj oh so i'm gonna say
0: <laughs> joe what do you think got a 25
1: uh i'm gonna
2: second the uh, mr patel's emotion and go <laughs>
0: <laughs> man i mean you know my complaint is there was no defecation there was no sort of like somebody <laughs> really letting themselves be vulnerable in this movie right so i'm gonna give it a 23 um just because there were no dumps, because I love to laugh. Um,
4: <laughs> we're going to go.
0: Yeah, got to get those dumps in. Uh, out of music, with the music, what do you think, Namesh? I mean, I know this wasn't a music heavy movie, but there still was a I'm, score involved. It, I mean, John Williams.
3: Come on. Yeah, I was I was say. 20, 25 out of 25. <laughs> <laughs> have, you yeah. to the, have, you, have you listened to the uh, soundtrack without? Uh, I mean,
4: on Spotify, whatever. <laughs> no, I, I it's, have, it's well, I have it work, and let me tell you, it is, Uh, it's only, it's only like an, what, an two hours, while the movie's like three, it is kind of interesting, uh-huh. it's shorter, but it's a long movie.
5: Yeah.
0: Are you, are you expecting the music to be playing throughout the whole film, is that what you're saying, bud? <laughs> I
5: mean, yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah that, and it had,
3: uh, and it had Edith P.F. in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nimesh is like almost banking on Spielberg or something like listening to this podcast. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is giving us a hundred. I should cast this motherfucker in the next brown wave. Uh, <laughs> I did like that thing where you talked about in the, your stand up brown wave. Oh, I never okay, even heard yeah. that thing. Whatever. I'm All riding right.
5: the wave, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. But what do you think
4: out of 25, the music? Uh, the music, I gave it a uh, another 22. Najee Harris, this does. but uh, you know Namesh does not
0: get these sort of like alabama references at all but go ahead but all
1: (laughs) right uh music if i check my notes it says john williams enough said so i too will go with a 25 well man me and joseph right here joe (laughs) Uh, let's go
2: yeah
0: yeah A a lot of pressure peer pressure here we go
1: I'm gonna. Uh,
2: enough has been said about John Williams. What else can you say? But I'm gonna go with the audio quality in general, like the explosions. Oh of, yeah. <laughs> uh, think of another movie that had more badass surround sound, like you thought you were actually there type shit. So I'm gonna go 25.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're probably. And there right, are a yeah. lot of movies during that same time period where you have gunshots and whatnot, and they sound like shit. So oh, yeah. I mean, like let's let's give it up for that. That opening
0: scene and like surround sound, I've got like a a really shitty surround sound, but still surround sound nonetheless was just so like almost violent and in your face. Uh, I I really can't even remember the music or whatever, but I like if we want to go with what Joe said, like audio editing, audio quality, it's just so ridiculous. It makes you feel so in the moment. (laughs) I'm gonna give it a 24. Namesh, finally, with the plot, this is the biggest one. What do you think, uh,
3: 25? The plot. Yeah, I mean, what a story! I got, I, <laughs> I got a bunch, I got a bunch of brothers. I would appreciate if someone uh, went to find one of them um, if I get got. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, 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 like, I can, I can see it. I can see it. You know, I can see it happening. I'm like, that's fantastic! What a beautiful story, um, and it's told well. But we're only talking about structurally, plot wise. I think, yeah. I mean, how else would you do it? Twenty five by twenty five. You gotta but, give it a twenty four, and then give Zoo
0: Idiots a twenty five. I thought that was too. All right, I uh, changed my hands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Budge. What do you bro? think out of twenty five,
4: <laughs> Kobe? Uh, and so this is where Nemesh pops through the screen to get me. But uh, I gave this one as the lowest mark. It was twenty one, uh, and, and the only <laughs> knock, the only knock is that again, it's I, you know, I told y'all I hadn't seen this movie in twenty years, and it's, it's a little long. And so I think that maybe there were just some a couple of things that could have been edited, but it is nonetheless, it's a great story. And I still think about it all the time. Was it really worth, you know, sending all those guys over there to find the one guy? And, you know, that'll be, you know, it'll be developed amongst cinema. I don't, them I
3: don't know if I'm if I can influence your vote, but or your count, but uh, you know, technically you're talking about editing to not plot. <laughs> and it's,
5: and it's like, the
1: story
3: itself is fantastic. Sure, they could use some trends. Uh, it would have been but... better if,
0: yeah, like, apparently
1: Bud doesn't have time. If if, <laughs> if, it,
3: if it was come from
0: like a minority family, I feel like. Uh, what do you think, Joe? <laughs> out of plot out twenty five. Uh,
2: I I think that it's a, it's a gr- it's such a great hook to get somebody invested in the story. Because, yeah, because the Sullivans were the Navy version of this, right? It's so like four or five of them all go down on the same ship, and you think, like, how fucked up is morale going to be in the United States if in every branch of the service, like, all your brothers are going to die? Like, we can't let this shit happen. So, like, you can know, you can kind of see why they did it now, but uh, it's a crazy way to think about it. So I'm, I'm going to go 25.
1: Well, what do you think, Preston? I am curious, like, what, like, is that, do other militaries and other countries have a similar policy And like, and like, I want to, like when they, when it was first like happening, when they were telling him like, all right, we're here to take you home. And, and, you know, Ryan was like, no, I'm not fucking going. Did any of y'all for like, a, for a little bit, get kind of like pissed off at Ryan? Like these motherfuckers <laughs> just came to yeah. get you. Like, you got to go. Like, stop. Oh, yeah that, so, that,
3: That's probably the most incredulous part of the entire movie. Yeah. It's like I would have been like, "All right, let's go. I'm out of here." Yeah, it was like a (laughs) almost
0: it was like the M Night Shyamalan twist. Like, what you're like, you almost thought the movie was gonna be okay. He's leaving, and now they have a journey back. Like, and they're gonna like try to avoid Mm -hmm. getting killed on the way back. But he says, "Uh, "Fuck you guys, I'm staying with my new brothers." Kind of thing.
1: Budge, (laughs) budge. That was your out. Like, if they had decided to to change course, there, you're probably getting two hours ten minutes.
4: No, uh, I actually, that's kind of funny because we're talking about people that surprised you in this movie. You remember the first uh, Jack Ryan uh, they find is uh, Nathan Fillion. That like guy who's in all those like obs- kind of obscure roles. He's in like a bunch of, like uh-huh. sci-fi, and it made me laugh because he's like, "Wait, I don't get to go." Yeah, like, <laughs> <know> <laughs> I mean? they're
5: like, "No, my
3: brothers but- are at my show. They're okay." Yeah,
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> they're an
5: element. Oh, oh my God, Yeah, I definitely <laughs> didn't, didn't remember, remember that school. part. Yeah, happened. Yeah.
4: No, and it and it, it kind of shot me because like I was like, "Is that Nathan Fillion?" <laughs> Shit, I forgot he was in here. I also forgot Ted Danson was too.
3: Wait, what? oh yeah, Ted Danson could, was in it.
0: A- I yeah. couldn't
1: dancing seriously when i saw wait, him wait
0: he was a bartender on the beach or what was he
4: <laughs> <Man>. <laughs>
1: he, he, was, no, he was, a, was he was anonymous he was, um, <laughs> he was one of the he was like a captain i think yeah, yeah something like that
0: oh i completely was zoned out i guess press what was your score then we'll move on
1: uh, <coughs> uh god plot i mean yeah it's great great story great storytelling uh I'll, I'll go 24.
0: <laughs> man i again, i i this was a little bit long but at the same time it, it's hard to sort of like pick where you would edit shit down so i'm going to go with a 23 um that's going to wrap it up and uh we want to give a really special thanks to Namesh for coming on and also Thank if you, you if, you're, if you're still listening which i know thousands and thousands and thousands of people are go check out Zoo idiots. It's on YouTube. It's on Namesh's uh, personal page, mesh Patel on YouTube. Go check it out. Go check out the pilot. He's going to upload a bunch of new ones, probably, I guess, like you said earlier, once a month, maybe? Soon, 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 <laughs> soon. soon, soon. Uh, yeah, go check it out. It's really, really funny. I've watched it. It's hilarious. Uh, right. They do. The voice is fantastic. It's written fantastic uh also uh, if
4: you get a chance check out his stand-up any of the things you can come find patel 2020 or some of his <laughs> other videos uh when I, when I first found him i think a, a promoter would probably say no one's safe <laughs> patel. i would say he just t- he calls balls and strikes you know <laughs> if, if you're acting like a clown you're gonna get it
3: <laughs> uh, thank you man thank you yeah
4: absolutely so fantastic stand-up
0: comedian we're very honored to have him on the show thank you so much man we appreciate it <laughs>
3: uh, thank you guys
0: all right, so we're going to do a marquee picks here at the end. Uh, since this movie is sort of about someone's siblings being killed, we're going to do our favorite siblings in movies and television. Uh, Budge, why don't you kick us off with your favorite movie, like uh, favorite siblings in movies and
4: TV. Oh, thanks, Matthew. And, and uh, I think <laughs> when we originally discussed this, I stuck, I stuck to brothers, which uh, may have limited, helped narrow my scope a little bit. Um, so my number, my number three will be Chaz. Uh, Richie and Eli Tenenbaum. I guess Eli technically is a cash, Ah. but uh, Chaz would be Ben Stiller. Richie would be uh, Luke Wilson, and Eli Cash would be Owen Wilson uh, (laughs) from the Royal Tenenbaums.
5: What about Margo?
4: She's not a. I did brothers, but I guess she counts as siblings. So we'll I'll throw her in there. I officially have siblings now.
5: uh, So Margo's in there,
4: and they're all. uh, I like them because basically they're all fucked up. I mean, (laughs) Chaz because you know his dad was withdrawn and you know his priorities are all messed up and his wife's passed away i think richie because he's attracted to his adopted sister Margot, which is also why Margot's messed up uh and then i think eli because he feels you know kind of left out and you know as the classic line says why would you say someone is particularly not a genius (laughs) Um, but i also just i love this movie i think they're kind of like if anybody who has (laughs) a uh less than normal family <laughs> dynamic this one kind of, that you kind of identify with them obviously they're the extreme but uh you know you see little bits and pieces of maybe some of your own family and siblings in there
0: oh yeah it's actually one i think it's one of the best west
4: anderson movies uh go ahead with yeah. your number two budge um uh, my number two is a little more of a classic it's the teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> and would be oh my god donatello rafael michelangelo and leonardo uh they uh, what a dynamic they're three turtles teenagers uh raised by a a rat oh, i'm say three four sorry four um and you know they all represent uh, uh, i'm sorry a, a rat <laughs> his what? name is splinter. Master splinter okay am i stealing your picks I, no, I, I, like, just,
1: I have a personal affinity I, to the did team i get a
4: hold did turtles? i get a hold of your google drive uh, but I mean, I think they all. Kind of was raised by a rat that has a name. Um. His name was uh, <laughs> His Name was. He had a mustache. Um,
1: <laughs> They're very different looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: I, I think that uh, these guys kind of encapsulate like what like the era we grew up in like the '90s and it, it kind of laughed like what's the you know the, each each one kind of represented this Raphael was the serious one, Donatello the nerd, Leonardo the um I guess disciplined, Michelangelo kind of the cut up, but um. Pizza you know, lover, pizza loving the music, calabonga They were just kind of like, I, I cannot stress that more how much they just sort of epitomized uh, the 90s and its excess and also kind of campiness. Yeah,
0: you don't realize when you grow up, you all live in a
4: sewer too. So mm-hmm. uh, go for your number one, Budge. <laughs> uh, my number one is probably on someone else's list, but it's Jake and Elwood Blues. Ah. <laughs> the Blues Brothers. Um, I think that they, uh, you know, they're band leaders. Uh, but they're always sticking up for each other. They raise money for the church. Um, they get the band back together, and uh, Elwood comes and picks up Jake um, from prison, uh, and that's about as best as that's about as good as you can get. Uh, but obviously, their hijinks, uh, their comedy, is top notch. Their music is also top notch, full band. But uh, you know, I, I I think about this. So, I've been thinking about this a lot, lately. It's kind of funny we picked this, but that line, when they're doing the last show, like, we'd like to thank the Illinois State State Law Enforcement community for coming out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Two Orange Whips? Two orange Whips. John Candy. That's John
2: Candy, yeah. Absolutely. Dude, so that version of Sweet Home Chicago, it's about nine minutes long. I it's... fucking rock that shit every day in the student lounge at MA. After... Dude.
1: <laughs> Joe, I think we were together on that one, probably, because... I, I mean, like that soundtrack, I, I yeah, I listened to it constantly when I was real young. And uh, there's there's that the Sweetness Chicago, there's uh, everybody who needs somebody to love. There's also when um, you're talking about the original Blues Brothers, right? Yes, like the the- 2000,
2: I did everything, like, yeah.
1: And they come out and what's his face? Uh, god, I forget his name, but then you know, Heidi, 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 hey, they do all that stuff, Calloway? yeah, Kev Calloway, yeah, yeah, um that those
2: that, that. guys are legends. Like uh Donald Duck Dunn on the bait. Mm-hmm. Uh R. I. P. Dude, all that whole backing band were legends.
4: You know, it's... Donald Duck is from Memphis.
1: Was um oh. Stacks this records This
0: Chicago riff That was so great Like you don't almost Like listen to it On loop forever and ever Like that's almost the point Like at the end of the movie Right It's like it just keeps on going And going and going But it's still entertaining and still fun to listen to am, am I missing that Or is that
2: No uh, And let me shout out Larry Vincent The uh, the IT guy at MA When we were in high- <laughs> That was back in the early days Of a shared iTunes library And he had that soundtrack Like available to us On the network And
5: so- Yeah <laughs> It's so, <laughs> whenever you logged
0: on to an i like an Apple computer, you could access Larry's iTunes account. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yeah, I completely completely well, forgot about that.
1: Do y'all was Steve Cropper also in the backing van? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I thought so. I couldn't remember who was. My God. Uh, don't worry,
4: Preston. Right. Jim Belushi is still available for you, so you could do those Blues Brothers if you want. To. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs>
1: God, I can't say Wait, it was Belushi. John Goodman though in the second one. Oh, I thought it was Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi, that's well, Belushi. that should tell you a lot, is that they really didn't want him coming around. <laughs> I thought he was is <laughs> he not kidding. Blues Brothers 2000? That's all me. Okay. He, you know, fuck, he might be. I think he, de- he, de- tours, he definitely...
0: I think he tours with Dan Aykroyd as a okay. blues brother, but he doesn't yeah. actually wasn't actually in the movie. Uh it was Joe, John
1: Goodman and it was Mighty Mac.
0: Yeah, Joe, let's move on to your picks. Go for it, Joe. Your third favorite sibling. We'll work our way to one.
2: Okay, well, since I'm gonna go ahead and knock this one out, since Budge took it, and I can't believe he actually brought this up. But the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Whoa!
4: What? I'm pretty sure I thought the Blues Brothers would be snagged. I didn't We're not. getting
2: yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about that too because I was uh, Jake Blues for uh, one of our friends' bachelor parties actually for Halloween. <laughs> and dude, but that 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I can remember vividly being three years old. Like, demanding, like, where is that videotape to try to. <laughs> Dude. A formative, uh, you know, like, played the video game, the arcade game at Diamonds. Yeah. In- I mean, THB, I, that was my jam back in well, the day.
4: What was Joe a- was so good. What was I your favorite toy that. of the Ninja Turtles?
2: The Dante, uh, Donatello's Nunchucks.
4: Donatello, no, no, the, uh, that was Michelangelo, the Nunchucks. Donatello had the bow staff.
2: Yeah, yeah. Donatello was purple, right? And he had the, yeah. uh, the
4: staff, those staff. Yeah. Uh, one of the coolest toys, though, a was like the big machine, the, yes. like the shredder, that that yeah. big like silver thing. But oh no, so the van that shot the oh toys. yeah dope. and you could fit them in there. I <laughs> actually had that one. I I, I mean I'm not a yeah. turtle
0: fan, but whatever. But I actually did have the pizza van. <laughs> Joe, I loved
1: I, <laughs> the bebop and rocksteady. Ooh, they were good too. Figures, it, and I'm I'm forgetting one level what's that joe
2: they, they were so hard to get by on the oh. first and second level of the the arcade game you remember that
1: yeah uh, damn dude i kind of also though my favorite
0: that's why toy... we had to get billy mitchell on the show as as... <laughs> <laughs> i think
1: my favorite toy of all of them though was krang because you got the oh. you got to have like the whole like you just
4: love that brain <laughs> baby thing and you got the brain baby in the
1: middle <laughs> i did love up? it <laughs> krang was great
4: dude you know uh what else what else, what i also is a very like unpopular ninja turtles opinion i share is that the third movie when they go to japan isn't that bad
1: <laughs> you talking about that recent one
4: Yeah, the most i mean no 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 i mean the most recent of the main three so there's ninja turtles one which was like an independent movie when it came out a lot of people don't know it was like independently financed and it was like rated it was like rated pg-13 in the 90s yes and then there was the second one with uh april o'neill and casey jones i guess or are they in the first one too is casey jones maybe in the second one. Oh, he's in the first one too I what Second one with megan fox one's with vanilla no, ice. ice that's right sorry second one is vanilla ice and that's when bebop and rocksteady but they're not bebop and rocksteady they're like a wolf and a, a badger the third one they go to japan and they go like back in time to samurai japan it was like a kevin costner knockoff yeah that movie i think is unfairly maligned <laughs>
1: You you were talking about all the ones in the early 90s that we. Grew yes, up with. I'm not talking about like the okay. Michael Bay movies. Yeah, where they're like fighting <laughs> as they go down that huge mm-hmm. ski slope.
0: No, we'll have to have like a special like Fudge Husky sort of Instagram live thing where he like <laughs> talks about the credibility of all the Ninja Turtles movies. But go ahead, uh, Joe, with your number two.
2: Number two, I, I'm not going to claim complete credit for this, but uh mr scott the host of the, the show jogged my memory on this but doug and steve butavi <laughs> <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> see i would have had those too
2: but the, the, just like the classic you know amazing snl skit that translated to a hilarious movie and <laughs> just like that whole cast from the early 2000s late 90s like sherry o'terry um who else is in that movie from
1: uh, will ferrell chris Kattan, like just... uh, there's there's quite a few i think um god the thing about it is though like the
0: weird thing is is like i think we all know that like i should maybe we should ask Namesh about this it's like the snl fraternity and i've always kind of wanted to know this is that chris Kattan was so so funny oh, and there's so many skits and then he just almost got blacklisted, it feels like. Because, like, I mean, here he is with Will Ferrell, and now he can't get in a Will Ferrell movie. He can't get in a Sandler movie. He can't get in any of those people that were kind of, like, working with them. He must have pissed off so many people, I feel like, because he's actually so hilarious. And then, like, he just dropped off
4: the face of the earth. He I don't wasn't, understand. He was not in Hubie Halloween either. Yeah. Um, with the It's kind of funny. You said that the last thing I saw him in a trailer uh, was in that Santa sleigh. That horrible, like horrible-looking, like uh, horror movie where Santa kills people, and I know Chris <laughs> Kattan and Fran Drescher were in it. I was like, ooh, they have Chris Kattan far. is now just like an extra as an elf,
0: just like doing the sort of like Night at the like doing. Oh, I've got snow in my nose. What is it? What I is saw, is it? <laughs> I saw him on,
1: uh, the, and this kind of speaks to that. I guess it was, I think it was either YouTube or a YouTuber podcast, but it was. I swear th- you could like watch it. And it was Polly Shore and Chris (laughs) Katan. You know, like kind of, hey, we're kind of at similar levels. We should probably hang out.
0: <laughs> Two people that actually kind of went through the exact same career path, and then just kind of fell off the face of the earth. I'm sure they got tons of money, though. I actually saw him in, uh, in L. A. one time, but never got to talk to him. I wouldn't embarrass myself. No, uh Chris Kattan, and I would have embarrassed myself. I'm sure, just like I did with the Z's. You but like, hey, how's it feel to be in Santa Slay? <laughs> how's it feel to like fucking suck after you were on top of the world? Uh, Joe, I mean, like, what do you think about Night of the Rocks period, though? Like, it's <laughs> like, did you enjoy, like, the SNL skits more? Do you enjoy the movie, or what do you think?
5: Well, kind
2: of like like I was saying earlier, I, it actually impressed <laughs> me with how decently it translated from <laughs> a, a five-minute skit into an hour-and-a-half movie. I mean, like, if they were... Yeah. Like, Catan like, and Will Ferrell made it so painfully awkward, and <laughs> just... You know, like they had zero game. That it it was pretty. So <laughs>
1: well, you are helping yeah, out their and, dad's like florist business. And
0: also, the most memorable line is the Emilio thing. I feel like, and that was yeah. never that was never in the SNL thing. Like, it's not like they were like Emilio Estevez like fanboys like that. Like, am I right? Or was that in the SNL or not?
1: I think that that was just only in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I think my Angel- favorite Emilio? one, the favorites, the SNL, my favorite SNL skit was the one where they had Jim Carrey come along with. Oh them. yeah. Is he, that what? And it went on for like, yeah, like five minutes. It was like a long skit.
0: I Man, dude. I mean, I don't know who came up with that. I don't know. I feel like if Will Ferrell came up with that, it would like sort of progress further. I feel like it was a Chris Cantan idea, and it just like fell to the face of the earth when he couldn't get anybody else to keep doing it. Uh, all right, Joe, go for your number one.
2: All right, my number one, uh, and I use sometimes on. I'm I'm way too literal on on the marquee picks as listeners, as you all know, like. I <laughs> Stray from the uh, prescribed guidelines, but I'm gonna liberally interpret the season. (laughs) I've been recently on uh, a Sopranos kick. Oh, through, I'm like halfway through the third season, and I and I'm gonna pick the Sopranos crime family in the way that Tony and all of his capos are like brothers and (laughs) each other, and all their kids call each other uncle pussy, and you know. They're supposed to take care of each other, and if one of them dies, you know, like they'll take care of their wife and stuff like that. But the, what's the craziest thing about like the whole sibling rivalry is like they will fucking kill you. <laughs> yes, Listen, it's like
0: I, dude, I mean, uh, The Sopranos is like you were mentioning, Joe, is that it's almost like the ultimate family TV series. I've got one that's a little bit different; it's a comedy, but. I thought you were going to go when you said The Sopranos. I thought you were going to go with Tony and Janice. And Janice did. Is, the, this is exactly J- what I Janice thought. Janice is the worst the fucking worst. character in, fucking in television history. I can't stand her. And I thought you were going to go with that, but then you went something a little bit different. Like you said, liberally interpreted it. But Janice is the worst character of all time.
2: Dude, I thought I- two inside baseball. Um, <laughs> the, see. But, but she is just so unbearable with the way that she just like a parasite. <laughs> that we watched earlier she just like moves in and sucks the life out of the (laughs) and like moves into her mom's house you know it's just oh it's just so painful that you want her whacked and i'm pretty sure she makes it through all six seasons
1: uh yes uh i think have you seen it all sorry have you seen it all joe
2: I, 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 like it's been so long that I'm real, like I'm freshly enjoying every episode. You know what I mean. So like, yeah, a big idea that you know, e. is going to show up at some point, but like he hasn't.
1: You know what I mean. Like I have. That yeah. Idea, but... So we, we watched it for the first time ever, the beginning of COVID, and it's really cool what they some of the cast members, particularly um Michael Imper- Imperioli, who plays See? Chris Christopher, he and uh Bobby. I forget the guy's name. They have done a podcast where they literally they're they're going through every episode, I think, and reviewing it. And then also um, the daughter. Oh, my God. I'm forgetting her name. Bobby Bacala. Yeah. What's the daughter's name, though? Uh, Meadow. Meadow. Yeah. And she um, apparently when they were all she never would watch the episodes when they came out. And now she's like going back and watching them, and like I don't think she's doing any kind of podcast, but apparently, yeah, sharing her thoughts every once in a
2: while. Edie Falco, I saw an interview, the same thing that she was trying to watch. Um, was going to go back and watch the first series with Lorraine Bracco, who plays Doctor Melfi. and they mm-hmm. were going to like go through it, and they like they got four episodes in, and because uh, James Gandolfini had had passed when they were doing this, so, like they couldn't even make it through. They were like, yeah, painful.
1: Yeah, he was by all accounts beloved, even though, you know, I think he had a lot of demons or a lot of issues that they like they kind of hint at if you look at some of the behind the scenes stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like <laughs> Meadow Soprano, obviously when she started was young, but she's a very very attractive woman now and her
1: full age, Jamie Lynn
0: Sigler. Jamie Lynn Sigler, that's right. We always kind of like tried to uh, sexy it up a little bit, but she is an incredibly incredibly sophisticated and attractive woman
4: go ahead budge i'd be remiss if i didn't say Joe. You know, like speaking of brothers and being kind of family that the probably the best scene in tv history is when <laughs> christopher Multisante they're having the intervention for him uh and they all show up and obviously it kind of ends poorly just judging by the <laughs> by, by the subject matter uh but there are just some good lines in there uh when vans and you know it's like i walked in the other day first of all, you would you were in the toilet you were in the bathroom you were throwing up your hair was touching the water the toilet <laughs> water. disgusting and, and he's like i had the flu tony's like i knew i can could confi- i can confirm he was sick i said my piece chrissy i said my piece yeah <laughs> your embarrassment just- to your family to yourself to your family
1: it's perfect how they they go through one yeah. by one it like perfectly encapsulate each one of those characters and then also just kind of like the greater crime family like put them in an intervention something they would never want to do you know and have them like say like get sentimental with each other
0: well no it's it's just like in terms of like microcosms and macrocosms it's like taking this big operation and they always put it down to almost like the most petty bullshit and that's what sort of like almost runs things in terms of yeah they do things that are like really big but at the same time it comes down to like little stupid stuff that just appeases Tony at the same time. Uh, So Preston, let's go to your, your picks. Your number three.
1: That was a great uh, number one there. uh, Joe Ray. All right. Well, number three, uh, you know, I also have the Tenenbaum family or the siblings, but I'm using Richie Chaz and Margot, even though she is adopted, although you were going with brothers, I believe is what you were doing. Mm -hmm.
4: And I included Um, Eli.
1: Yes, who's technically just a friend, mm-hmm. but um, well, the his brother, twin brother, <laughs> the other actor. So, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so like, obviously, it's, it's what it is one of the best Wes Anderson films. I'm not someone who loves everything he does. Mm-hmm. I find them, I find there are some really good films I and mean, <laughs> like, it's too much. Yeah, But this one is like one of the classics. The casting is great. I think having these like genius children who were so successful or like saw successes when they were really young and then to have like juxtapose it with now, of course, they're this, you know, overly privileged bunch of like prima donnas who have like a lot of trauma and, and some serious issues that stem from their childhood. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it makes for a very like entertaining and crazy crazy uh movie but it's well yeah and not uh, and not to like
0: take away from their characters but gene hackman like is, is sort of he so handles that sort of like character right. so well in terms of like that dad that sort of is able to appreciate everyone but also sort of put them down at the same time
1: yeah it's, it's and he it's, would like take he took money from some of them i think when they yeah. made their money when he was you know he's no he he's he's fantastic he holds but, it together uh for sure everything <laughs> stems from him Royal. all right go for you to number two uh number two so I'm going with one of the all-time great TV families. Those of us who love the show, and I'm going with the Blue Sibling.
5: <sighs>
1: <laughs> because Michael Joe, Lindsay, and Buster are so funny and so great. <laughs> and like the char- like, so I was thinking about this earlier. The characters in this show—they're all incredible. Uh, but it really does. Everything kind of does stem from these siblings in the sense that you get all these other characters, right? With Lindsay, you get Tobias. Uh, with oh, Job, yeah. You, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I'm almost certain you have. No, this no, no. A, this, was, uh, uh, this, is,
0: this, is, this is my top one. Steve but no, no, <laughs> no. But but you're right, though. Like uh, what I was going to say is that they're all sort of like searching for this approval from their mom and dad in like right. in different ways. Totally and then, different ways. and then doing that it creates this like competition with each other, and that's what sort of like creates the conflict in like the main part of the show. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so each, like, each
1: competition is different from yeah. from Michael to Lindsay or Michael to Job. Yeah. Uh and I mean obviously I mean you cannot forget Buster because he's it's such an outrageous <laughs> character who's <laughs> like a like a giant baby, essentially. <laughs> oh you know, no, no, he's
0: a giant man baby, absolutely. No, no I, I I, I think everyone who's listened to the show and is known that I'm, I'm a huge wrestling development fan. I've got more to say on that, but Preston, go for your number yeah. one and we maybe do that.
1: Uh, number one, for anybody who knows me, knows that this is one of my favorite movies, favorite comedies. Um, I'm going with Brennan Huff and Dale Doback from <laughs> Step Brothers. But I also want to include Brennan's little brother, Derek, played by Adam Scott. <laughs> because he is, the more I watch that movie, the more I, I find him like, not you know like almost as funny as (laughs) of Will Ferrell and uh John C. Raleigh because his character is so ridiculous and so like petty and like he it's it's almost like a satire of of itself because it's so just like this like bro who like has has made some money and he like makes fun of his little brother a lot or his (laughs) older brother and I mean anybody who's seen this movie I think if you're a fan like it, it it's it's hard to uh think of any other funnier like feral movies but
0: so you're more focusing on like Brennan and uh Derek are you more focusing on
1: like uh Uh, I mean uh, Brennan and Dale of course okay (laughs) that I mean the step bro I just had to throw Derek in there because I think he's a very funny character but uh yeah there's no way to uh to go past Brennan and 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 Dale just it's (laughs) I, I could quote it all night long I'm not going to but it's one of the funniest movies I think of all time
0: no yeah it's 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 very it's one of those movies that like what like i feel like i've got this like tendency when i watch will ferrell movies to like when i first see it in theaters because i always sort of get drawn into it to see it in theaters and i kind of leave i shouldn't say disappointed but being like oh whatever it was a will ferrell movie but then i like think about it again and i see it again and i realize that i was totally fucking wrong it's and it's it's not to suggest that will ferrell's creating some like super created creative layered movies that are funnier on retrospect i think it's more of an inductment like it like it's more on me i don't understand like maybe i'm just not laughing or whatever but when i watched Step Brothers the first time i was like oh that's corny maybe i saw like two like highbrow comedy sense of humor or whatever like in terms of like <clears throat> i'm just a complete piece of shit, and i should have laughed <laughs> but it's yeah. like when i when i was watching the first time i was like i'm i i knew i should have laughed but then I don't know. I'm trying not to because I'm like, oh, that's actually too low brown. But It's, it's actually it's so funny. I, I mean, I really I, I love Step Brothers. The same feeling I have with Anchorman, too. It's so funny. <laughs> Everything about it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, I think also have John C. Riley in there. I mean, we, we all know Will Ferrell is, is funny and been some really funny things. But John C. Riley and, and Will Ferrell together, create <laughs> like this whole nother like, comedy do, comedy world. And like, oh, I don't know if if Walk Hard came out before Step Rose. I can't
4: quite remember. But like, I'm I just after. It, it was so interesting seeing him in that because like, I well, I knew he could be funny. Like up until that point, I had only seen him in more serious roles.
5: Yeah, you know, I mean, he's in like, like uh, Boogie gang, Nights,
4: Gangs in New York.
0: Yeah, Boogie Nights, Gangs in New York. What's 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 the other like funny thing? I mean, but he's obviously in, in Magnolia. Uh, no, uh sure. yeah, I think he is a little bit Magnolia. He's got a small part Magnolia, and then. But I guess Talladega Knights came out after Step Brothers. Is that what we're thinking? Or is that was Step Brothers the beginning of that partnership or after that?
4: I, I, I can't. think so. But it's just like the his his chops, like to be an actor and to be like more, and then be able to do that kind of comedy and improv. I mean, just I think it just speaks to what talent he is.
0: Oh yeah. He can sing, yeah. he can like mm-hmm. be funny, he can be serious, he can be everything. Joe, what, what do you think? Where would you rank Step Brothers in like the Will Ferrell Pantheon?
2: You know, it was definitely one of his more involved roles let me put it like, just like you just the scat humor like we were talking about earlier um so i i think that it's uh you know it's probably top five top seven yeah. <laughs>
0: top five what's what's your number one you got old school number one but you got you got where your roots for an alabama football team obviously number one whatever that one's a
2: yeah, that's a tough question for Will. Um, I, I guess 2003's old school is going to be tough to beat just like the cultural impact that it had on our <laughs> group. And just just like the, I don't know, I just remember that movie being so over-the-top raunchy and funny that it was like a kind of a trendsetter there for a little while. And so it, it's hard for me to find another Will Ferrell role that kind of did the same thing.
1: An underrated one that I've always loved is Sim <laughs> <laughs> And that's, that's not even necessarily Will. That's, I mean, like he's hilarious, but there are so many funny characters. Just
0: just to add to this real quick though, is because I think maybe we talked about this. I don't know if every single person was on the pod when we did, but Will Ferrell always tries to include somewhere where he has to sing. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know where that started or where it's ending, but he does it in step brothers. He does it in semi-pro I think he does it in old school, right, too? I can't remember 100%, but, like, he always... Yeah, he, he
1: sings uh, at Blue's Funeral.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I think, like, that's just something <laughs> that he just, like, either thinks is funny or thinks he just has to include. Like, I really genuinely feel, like, in a contract... In when contract? You sign, yeah, when you sign Will Ferrell, he's like, I gotta sing and be on,
1: like, singing it comes from a a musical family. His dad's like a professional musician in L.A. And Well,
0: oh, and he's the drummer for Red Hot Chili Peppers, too. So. And,
5: yeah. <laughs>
1: what
0: were you going to say, Bunch? I'm sorry for cutting you off.
4: Oh, I was going to say one of the more underrated Will Ferrell roles. I've always been partial to the campaign. I think it was kind of a, a John Edwards spoof. Uh, and yeah, uh, in that sense, it was a pretty good parody. I don't know if he's the best character, but. Uh, <laughs> Marty Higgins. Mario, don't sleep on Jason Sudeikis, the campaign manager,
1: either. Yeah. I want to I think that's another movie I want to come back and watch and you're right Matthew some of these movies of course he was on a roll there for a while but if you kind of go back and watch them they're like they're much more they're funnier the next time and the next time
0: No, it's like I almost go into them going, oh, it's going to be a Will Ferrell movie. It's not going to be like highbrow or like you don't have to like look for the subtlety or whatever. Mm -hmm. But actually, I shouldn't say it's uberly subtle or anything like that. It's just that it's actually very, very funny. It's almost like I go in with this perception that I shouldn't have. And that's on me, not on the movies. So I really, really love Step Brothers. I love I mean, I, the same thing I would say for the other guys too. I watched it the first time and then I watched it again. And I was like, why did I not think this was as funny as it should have been?
1: I love the, uh, when he walks in and he, after he's played with his drum set and he's, John C. Rowley <laughs> asks him, he's like, why are you sweating? And he looks at him, and he's like, I was watching cops. <laughs> it's like real dead band. yeah absolutely then he he storms up the stairs to check on the drums (laughs) in the
0: opening scene with him like making nachos in the microwave or something like that that's how you get introduced to him just very very classic i think yeah (laughs) man boy type of shit um yeah so we're gonna move on to my top three picks actually two of these have already been taken a little bit so i'm gonna do number three joe had this i got steve and doug with toby from night of the roxbury number two uh, no one took this. We got Kip and Napoleon from Napoleon Dynamite, uh, yeah, which
5: right
0: on. Uh, they've got some pretty classic moments in terms of taking up Wi-Fi and slapping each other. Yes. <laughs> and number one, I've got, I, I didn't include Lindsay in this, but I got Michael and Job and Buster Bluth uh, in Arrested Development. I know, I know. Well, same thing you had. I, I didn't include Lindsay in this yeah. just because there's one specific moment that I kind of had a gripe with. But there is, like, one, like, thing where they're all fighting each other is when they're all fighting um, over the same girl. And you remember that episode, Preston? Marta?
1: Oh, Marta, yeah.
0: Yeah, so in the Love first, that.
1: like, first two or three
0: episodes, there's this, like, it's <laughs> kind of similar to... Uh, in, the Blue uh, Boys. Well, it, no, it's, it's similar to, like, the Batman movies where they have Katie Holmes as, uh, <clears throat> what's her name? Rachel and Batman. And they have Marta casted as like this really, really, really attractive woman. And then in the after episode four or something like that, it's sort of like Maggie Gyllenhaal in the dark Knight. And then like they sort of like have this like they're fighting over Maggie Gyllenhaal. And it's really, really ridiculous, I should say ridiculous, because she's still an attractive woman. But it's like one of the only gripes I have that's, in the oh, series. I had
1: trouble finding you. I see what you're saying there, you, like the the change from actress. They changed an actress yeah, mid yeah.
0: season, mid season, not
1: like mid season, it, not from movie to movie. It was mid season. Yeah,
0: it's mid season. So Do you like, know they, why that happened? I have no idea. I'm guessing they probably got signed for like a, like a six episode thing or three episode thing, and then like it didn't. I, I have no idea, like because yeah. that's forgot, how some I of that works. Is that. they get. Instead of getting signed for like one pilot, they get signed for like four or five episodes or something like that. And then (coughs) that that one actress maybe had to do something else. They assigned the role to someone else. (coughs) But it really like she's just not there. Like that first actress is so, so attractive. Maybe it's my own personal taste, but it's really just sort of like one of those things where when like if you watch it, like we are alert. yeah, well, oh, no. When you watch it like we all kind of do now, Budge, like binge watch stuff, it does actually sort of like it. It, it you don't understand what's going on.
4: Yeah, like because that was know? definitely pre binge era, like Resident yeah, network TV, like once a week, which is weird because, like my, you know, like that's how I, I think I probably came across it. Like, oh man, not when it was done, but at the very end right and then so i was fortunate enough to be able to like watch it the first time
0: well at least on yeah and like on dvds and stuff like that even if you didn't like have netflix streaming when you came across it like i remember when i first came across it was like oh i could go rent this like dvds on uh blockbuster or something like that and i like sat and watched all 18 episodes at a time because you know i don't have much i've got tons of time on my hands but um but yeah yeah yeah. it was sort of like grading to go oh why is this one actress getting dumped i don't think uh, you can pull that off today like, the whole internet would be like just
1: episode three changed uh, yeah
0: no no they would film that stuff like 10 episodes at a time um, you could yeah you couldn't do that bullshit joe joe have you ever actually watched Arrested development are you in on that like sort of click or what are, you, what are your thoughts on it
2: no i haven't seen Arrested development um
4: so. That's a click you missed.
2: <laughs>
4: so we're all, we're you, you all, might be of... too far gone for you because it was I kind of a flash that, um... in
1: the pan. <laughs> what do y'all think? Do y'all think Joe would like it?
0: Uh, uh, there is, there is a like a six episode part where there's got a lot of British stuff involved. So maybe, but that whole Mr. F storyline, Joe might actually really, see. Really I'll take it.
4: Here's where I think Joe will say this is good, but it's not my humor is that Joe is like the biggest, uh, um, Seinfeld and. <laughs> curb fan and i think arrested development is just a bit of a different style like it relies well, more well i mean i
1: love curb and
4: seinfeld fair but like to me if you ask me what my favorite with sitcom Madden. was i would say i prefer arrested development over seinfeld that is controversial to people joe are you a beat fan
0: do you are you a beat fan i mean like because i know you're in the political sphere you keep up with that stuff did
4: you like
2: that show uh, never really watched the beat
4: Oh my Did God. you watch In the Loop or uh, what's the is it In the Loop, the British show? That the, the, the British one's called In the Thick of It. In the Thick of It. In the Loop is the movie based off. Okay. In the Thick of It. James, Gandolf- uh, with James Gandolfini. Callback. That's a press, press development joke. <laughs> you got a callback.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> Sound yep. the music. Ah, oh, babe, you
0: seen In the Thick of It? Did you like that?
2: no I, I really
4: I haven't yeah it's you, you I swear Joseph <laughs> you and I went and saw in the thick of it in Tuscaloosa at the Bama theater for one of like the Tuscaloosa film society things they serve Boddington's and I think fish and ships
2: <laughs> was that the the really abrasive Scottish guy was that yep
4: that? with uh and his that's a uh, D- peter Cal- peter Carapaldi was he <laughs> who he plays Peter Carapaldi plays the labor like MP. Yeah, the,
2: our, yeah, it's it's coming back to me. Yeah, yeah. I, was great. I think that was very clever.
5: <laughs> there we All have right. it. I think we're in right.
0: there we got it. We got Joe. Now he's going to like the next episode. Joe's going to be 100% on arrested development. He's going to be on Veep. He's going to be in the thick of it. Now he's 100% fully charged, ready to if get three down hours of the shit, shows. Private Ryan,
1: wasn't <laughs> enough. We've now got you five hours of television. <laughs> Well, because- Joe has given us a lot of homework with some of the picks recently, where I've had to, to literally go on like <laughs> a binge. I, I didn't know a lot of this oh. shit, and I appreciate it. No,
0: I've, I've got them down on things to watch. Absolutely, sometimes I don't get to them, but they're absolutely marked on things to watch. So it's got it's called Joe Ray's picks. Um, <laughs> all right, those going to wrap up our marquee picks, and so we're going to get. I guess that's going to be the end of the show. We're going to do All Die Hard right. next Tuesday. That's what we're going to do, guys. Die Hard next week. The best Christmas movie out there. It's <clears throat> Dude, it's got so many quotable lines. Bruce Willis is fantastic. I fucking love it. I love Die Hard, so I'm actually really, really pumped about this. Oh yeah. Doing Die yeah. Hard. <clears throat> awesome. yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs>
5: Uh-huh. Yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again, y'all. What? Look out. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Listen to me. Oh.